This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long Spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Longstrugs. Well, aloha, thanks for tuning in here on this Aloha Friday. I'm Ryan Kalei Suji, joined by Yanji Denise, and this is Spotlight Hawaii on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This morning, Yanji, uh, we're going to be focusing on an uh, issue as well as a uh, one-of-a-kind event that's happening at the University of Hawaii. Yeah, some really interesting work happening at UH Manoa, and to join us now to talk more about what's happening there, we're joined by Punihei Light. A Native Hawaiian Affairs Program Officer at UH Manoa. She's going to be talking to us about a very important event. Uh, oh, well, let's bring her in here. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. Aloha kayaka. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about Tuesday uh, to give people kind of a framework about the event and then talk about some deeper things that are happening at the university. Yeah, thank you. Um, we're going to be hosting our office, the Native Hawaiian Place of Learning Advancement Office. Um, we'll be hosting the first annual, what we're calling Hawaii Ku'u Home Aloha, or Hawaii, our beloved home. Um, a series of events throughout the day that invite all folks, um, campus community, the larger community, to come together and explore and share and learn from one another about what it means to call Hawaii home what makes it uh, beautiful, um, what makes it difficult, what are the challenges, how can we learn from the folks um, and the stories of the past um, about what Hawaii was um, like for them at home, how can we learn from the stories and the experiences of those who call Hawaii home today, and then take all of that to think about how do we want to shape the Hawaii um, that we want as home for our children and grandchildren. Well, this is also a, a significant year marking the 130th anniversary of the overthrow. Uh, if you can talk a little bit about how that ties into this concept and some of the things that you are doing to educate people about this event, but also about Hawaii's history. Yeah, thank you for that question. You know, the overthrow marks a period of time um, where we see a lot of shifts happen, right? Um, you know, for our queen, um, for our communities who called Hawaii home at that time, for those who were citizens of the Kingdom of Hawaii, not just Native Hawaiians, but others as well, other ethnicities. Um, and our, at that time, you know, the way that we were able to, as a kingdom, determine the ways that we took care of one another, determine the ways that we took care of Aina or our environments together. And so what happens not just then but marks you know very you know big shift um after that time period is our ability to take care of one another um our ability to con continue to connect to our cultures in the ways that we did before the overthrow right um you know we can think about the ways that language that any language other than english was banned in the public school system and the generational effects that happen because of that, right? The disconnections we have from culture, the disconnections we have um, from each other, really, and from Aina. And so 
how do we learn from those those pieces? How do we learn from those histories? Um, and then how do we help to heal those disconnects that have happened over many generations now? And the beginning of that, we believe, is around peeling a building or building relationships again, right? So if we're thinking about disconnect as a really big problem, disconnect from the ways we can control our own lives and our environments and our, you know, our, our government, all the way to the disconnects we have with each other and Aina, then how do we get, begin to reconnect? And so this day that we are holding, the first um, and foremost goal that we have is that it is an opportunity for folks to reconnect around this umbrella of we all call Hawaii home, you know? Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing else we have in common, although I promise that there probably is, one thing we all have in common is that we all call Hawaii home. And so how can we make sense of the stories and experiences that we have together to understand how the overthrow has shaped us I and mean, how so many other things that um, come after that, but also before that, shape us as well. You know, the things that live in our bodies, generation after generation, the things that live in our environments that we can make sense of together. You know, what strikes me, uh, one thing that you're saying is that we all call Hawaii home and this idea that um, this is not uh, an event or a, a, a practice or a, 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 an event really that is dedicated solely to those of Native Hawaiian descent, that this sounds very, very inclusive. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think that, you know, for those of us like myself who grew up here but are not Native Hawaiian, there is this feeling that I don't necessarily own that story, right? That, that that's something mm. that I understand or try to understand, but it's not mine. But tell us about the inclusivity message that you have around this. Yeah, thank you so much for that. It's such an important point of the work we're doing. Um, I'm gonna talk about that from a couple of different angles. Okay, let's talk about climate change, for example. If we live in Hawaii and we want our children and grandchildren to have any chance of, of living here and surviving and perhaps thriving, you know, that would be the goal. Um, we better figure out really quick how all of us, because we're all, you know, taking in this beautiful place, right? Hawaii doesn't care who we are, right? We all get to breathe her sweet air. We all get to, you know, bathe in her beautiful oceans. We all get to eat of her beautiful foods. Um, we all get to be cooled by her wind and rains. And so Hawaii is taking care of all of us, irregardless of where we originally came from, the color of our skin, right? Um, the environments that we create, the systems we create might be shaping the way we get, you know, um, cared for. But, um, you know, that is not Hawaii itself, it's Aina, right? It takes care of all of us. So, you know, a very Hawaiian grounded question is how do we take care of her back, right? This idea of malama Aina, right? How do, we, how do we care for Hawaii's lands and waters and resources? All of us here who are reaping the benefits of living here. And so that's one way I want to invite us to think about how no matter where we are, where we come from, you know, our original ethnicities and cultures, if we're in Hawaii and Hawaii is taking care of us, how do we work together to take, back, take care of her back? Um, you know, and, and the oceans are rising, right? We're having catastrophic storms. I mean, I don't know where you folks live, but my family um, home is in Ka'ava. And as we drive, we can see how the, the road is literally, you know, disappearing into the ocean as, as we, you know, face some really hard challenges around ocean rising. So again, like, how are we going to figure out how to mend the relationships that we all have, right? That we all are connected around to figure out how we together figure, take care of this place. So that's one way I want to invite us to think about how it doesn't matter 
who we are, we're here, you know, and how do we take care of a place together? We cannot do that unless we have good relationships with one another, at least respectful relationships where we respect each other's common humanity. Um, you know, we can think about, um, you know, the pandemic and the ways that literally, right, literally we, when we, we learned or we were reminded that when we breathe out, someone is going to inhale what we breathe out, right? And, and vice versa. And we were reminded how connected we really are as human beings. And so, you know, when we think about, you know, the overthrow is only something that happened to Hawaiians. Absolutely not, right? I know it's hard and, and there's, you know, some room for some real deep discussion around this, but to think about how the systems that have been created because of the overthrow, um, the policies, the practices, what is considered normal today um, because of the overthrow affects every single one of us. It deeply affects Native Hawaiians in many, you know, profound ways, but it also affects every single one of us, whether we're aware of it or not. We are all being touched by things that happen in the overthrow and then the things that happen after the overthrow because of the overthrow. And so to have time to begin to pull that apart and make sense of it and, and also recognize, you know, what's unique, but also, you know, common and shared among us um, is really, really important. Um, and it's something that I think we have a lot of potential to, to build upon um, and also some, you know, some really exciting and, and deep conversations <coughs> to have. You know, I want to talk a little bit more about the overthrow as well and, and just some of the significant things that happened during that time that have caused caused the Hawaiian culture to, in some ways, uh, almost be lost forever. Uh, we know that language as well as hula and, and different art forms were banned from the Hawaiian culture. Uh, how has that significantly impacted where the Native Hawaiian community is today and, and how the significance of the overthrow ha has impacted the culture as a whole in just making sure that the populace of Hawaii understands all the significances of the culture and the way that it integrates with our everyday lives. Yeah, you know, there's some really amazing scholars and practitioners who, you know, do this very deep work of looking at the ways that um, this kind of trauma, um, you know, around, you know, when we sever, um, and, and it didn't happen overnight, right? Their English, for example, was being introduced for, for gen um for decades into Hawaii before the overthrow, um, you know, but there are some policies that become very um, implemented, you know, after the overthrow and into annexation around, you know, like I said earlier, banning not only Hawaiian language, but only English in the school, right? So we can think about the other communities who, are, who were and continue to be here um, during the time of the overthrow and their language is not being allowed in the schools either. It is not to diminish how important it is that Hawaiian language was obviously, you know, uh, impacted in, in huge ways. Um, but we, we know the data, the research tells us that, you know, when our connections from our cultures, from our ancestors are severed, um, there, is, there is deep um, trauma that can happen. You know, we have some really amazing trauma experts throughout the state um, who speak to the importance of this. Um, and and when, we, when we are disconnected from our cultures um, and our histories um, and our practices and our languages, um, the trauma that that exists um, and gets reproduced in our homes, um, that gets reproduced in our school systems, which then, you know, creates more generations of, of trauma, you know, generation after generation, um, that is real, right? And 
the disconnection that we experience with our cultures and our ancestors carries over in the ways that we are able to connect with others and the ways that we are able to connect with Aina, right? When we talk about the clim climate crisis that we are in, we are in the climate crisis at the end of the day because we forgot how to take care of Aina, right? Or sometimes we erased the best ways of knowing how to take care of plates um, because we valued, you know, some knowledge systems and some people over others. You know, I mean, this idea of racism and settler colonialism are real and undergird everything that has to do with the overthrow. Um, and that trauma is, everyone experiences that, not just Hawaiians. Um, because like I said, that culture that gets perpetuated, that it's okay to erase things that are, you know, outside of what has become, you know, kind of like the normal culture or the mainstream American culture, um, where we sometimes don't have space for other folks, you know, to bring their, their beautiful languages and cultures in, um, that, that affects all of us because it normalizes erasure, right? Mm -hmm. It normalizes disconnection and that's not healthy. I'm very interested. I'd love to ask you a little more questions about a few more questions about this idea of racial trauma, because we're very familiar, of course, with physical trauma. And I think, you know, over the last decade or so, people are more and more uh, able to understand PTSD and mental health trauma. But what yeah. does racial trauma like? How does that actually present? And how do you how do you go about healing that? Because it sounds like that can come from, you know, generations before us, something that you didn't necessarily experience firsthand but from the way you're describing it, you're suffering generations later. So how do you begin to heal and address that? Yeah, thank you for that beautiful question. You know, I want to uh, invite folks to um, look up a lady named Dr. Gil Christopher, um, an African-American physician and holistic practitioner. And she leads a lot of the work that our campus is involved in across um, America. And, um, you know, I want to honor first that I'm still a learner of trauma. Um, there are some amazing experts in Hawaii um, and across, of course, elsewhere who are doing work in trauma. Um, some of my teachers, you know, uh, are really focused on reminding and helping us to all understand, just to your point, we don't only experience direct trauma, right, where, you know, something happens directly to me. Um, we can experience indirect trauma, you know, because we are connected to people who have, you know, experienced trauma. For example, I'm a mother. And if something traumatic happens to my child, I, I still am impacted by that. Um, but we also experience cultural trauma where, you know, whole cultures have experienced something like, I'm gonna, you know, like the overthrow. Um, for example, you know, African-Americans and the trauma of slavery. Um, when you think about the, um, you know, the trauma of the Holocaust, these are like large group kinds of trauma that impact folks. Um, and then this intergenerational piece that you're speaking to is really, really important. And I think is still being kind of um, explained and understood by the experts in this, this field to help us understand the many different ways that trauma lives in our bodies over generations, right? That shapes our DNA, the stressors. Dr. Gail Christopher does some amazing work around this. You know, the stress that we experience um, shapes the inside of our bodies. Um, she speaks to the point around how, you know, during COVID and we saw, you know, many marginalized or communities of color who were more impacted by, um, by COVID, for example, because our bodies are already immune compromised because of the ways that we have had to deal with stress caused by, you know, oppression, racism, colonialism over time, over generations. And so um, 
yeah, it's it's very real and it is not just direct trauma that we are dealing with on a daily basis. And so, so think about historical trauma, intergenerational and cultural trauma, group trauma. It's really, really important. And you know, the experts in this field are, are helping us think about this every single day. When we're talking about this National Day of uh, Racial Healing that's happening on next week, Tuesday, this is a national day, of course, so this is not an event that's confined just to Hawaii. How is uh, Hawaii playing a role in this national remembrance? Uh, and what are what is Hawaii and, and what are you folks learning from uh, those who are also experiencing the same types of situations, past history that Native Hawaiians have experienced in the past as well? Yeah, thank you. So UH Manoa is a truth, racial healing and transformation center. And I just want to maybe pause and talk a little bit about that movement. Um, so the WK Kellogg Foundation several years ago, well, about five or six years ago now, um, brought practitioners and scholars together um, from Hawaii and also across America to talk about um, how do we really get to the heart of getting rid of the belief system that undergirds, that kind of drives racism, right? So, you know, belief system that, that we would, that there's a, a hierarchy in human value, that some, you know, human people are more valuable than others. That's kind of at the heart of what racism is about. How do we get rid of that? And how do we, it's going to be a marathon, it's not a sprint. How do we really prepare generations to do that work? So the WK Kellogg Foundation brought folks together and created a framework um, that addresses that question that, that gives some, some direction to communities across Hawaii and, and elsewhere um, and how we might start to address that. Eventually, they partnered with the Association of American Colleges and Universities, AACNU, and together um, they said, what role can universities play in helping to prepare the next generation of leaders who continue this, this work to jettison racism? And so in 2017, they invited universities from everywhere, um, Hawaii and America, to, to apply to become what is now called a TRHT campus center, a Truth Racial Healing Transformation Center. And um, UH Manoa was one of the first 10 that were selected. And so since 2017, um, we have been using the framework, utilizing the framework um, to think about and, and plan and, and implement ways that we can, um, you know, really prepare the next generation. Um, and so how do we shape a university um, to, be, to be more prepared to, to lead students? And how do we, you know, touch students, lead students in, in this space and time as well? And um, so that work happens in conjunction with campuses now across, across Hawaii. So UH Manoa and UH Hilo are both centers. And then we work with dozens and dozens of other campuses across the country um, to do this work as well. Um, so all of us um, and, and more universities that aren't involved actually as TRHC centers, but are involved in some of the kind of like the work holding us, um, will be pausing on January 17th together and doing tons of different kinds of events um, in our campuses, in our communities. Uh, and so we work together all the time. You can, you can Google National Day of Racial Healing and you know, um, all the campuses and communities who are participating will pop up and you can see what's happening. And we are all looking at, so Dr. Gail Christopher, who led the work at the Kellogg Foundation and the framework creation, you know, this idea of racial healing for her and the way she's trained us is really important as we understand that racial healing um, being this idea or this practice of helping us reconnect as humans to, to, to realize our common humanity, right? That 
that we're 99%, you know, the, the same when we look at the, our DNA and that we, we all laugh, we all cry, we all love, we all feel sorrow. And so a lot of the work we do initially um, is heart work, it's, it's, it's people work, it's helping me to see, you know, for you to see yourself in me and me to see myself in you um, and to see how as, com- as humans we're really connected in so many ways. Um, and that's the work that's happening across the country. And that's a little different has a little different flavor than DEI work, although it's connected and, and parallel. Um, you know, so there's lots of different kinds of movements, the anti-racism movement, um, they're all connected, but in particular, this idea of healing, um, healing the disconnects is something that TRHT campuses are very committed to um, and that we're, we're doing together, you know, across, I think almost all 50 states at this point. And tell us about Tuesday, how folks can participate. Do you have to be a UH student and, and what kind of events can you take, a, take part in? Yeah, thank you. So no, the public is completely welcome. Um, we will start at 9 a.m. and our events will run throughout the day until about 5 p.m. Um, we will begin by learning um, Oli or chant um, about the Lina Manoa, um, about this idea of being welcomed by Manoa and the way Manoa welcomes us. But the larger idea is thinking about how we're connected to the places that we're in, wherever we might be, um, and, and the, the different ways that we can start to reconnect. Um, and as we do that reconnection work with Aina or with our environments, that we reconnect with our, each other as humans as well. Um, that will be followed by a, a set of workshops. You can go either to a workshop with our dear friend and colleague, Sean Bennington, who's a playwright and does a lot of narrative work with folks. So learning how to tell your story and to listen to the stories of others. Um, or you can go and do some Malama Aina work um, with our dear friend, Novel um, Kai, who works on campus and learn how to take care of plants. And really, how do you, how do you get your hands back into the earth, which is something that can be very new for some people. I grew up in an apartment building, you know, I'm still learning how to do that again. Um, and then we have um, Laura from Koa Yoga, who will be uh, also doing some work around some body movement work um, for folks um, to take care of our bodies and to understand how the stories intergenerationally live in us and how we can move through that. That will be followed um, by some ceremonies at noon to honor Lili'u, Queen Lili'u Kalani at an ahu that we have um, for her. And right across the way, we'll make our way over to also honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, we have a plaque on campus um, dedicated to him. And so we will do some ceremony around that. And then we'll eat lunch together. And actually, there'll be food throughout the day, um, you know, but, but um, we'll, we'll intentionally pause to, to eat a meal together and to, to share in fellowship and to discuss, you know, like, what are the stories that, um, that you hold inside of you about how, how Hawaii is home for you now in the past with your, with your ancestors and what you want to look like in the future. That will be followed by, um, at two o'clock, we will be holding what we call Pilina circles. They are specific kinds of circle experiences where folks get to connect and listen to themselves and each other to, to really build Pilina, to build relationships. Um, and then at 4.45, the last thing we'll be doing that day is we will all enter the Kuinaliwukulani Student Services Building and we will sing Hawaii Aloha together. Um, as a way to close, but also to really honor her and her spirit um, as it continues to live on in our state and, of course, on our campus. You know, this may be a, a difficult question for you to answer specifically, but I just want to get your thoughts. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of what we've described and what we're hearing from you this morning is a lot of this collaboration, this education, honoring the past and, and really helping those individuals who maybe aren't familiar with Hawaii's history. 
uh, and bringing them up to date and, and respecting and honoring the past and where we're at right now. But uh, in our community, you know, there, there is this growing sense of this Hawaiian movement. We see it a lot uh, in, in just in my lifetime. I've, I've just seen this resurgence of the Hawaiian culture, language, uh, and just the overall community coming together. Uh, and yet there are still conflicts that arise between the native Hawaiian community and those who aren't native Hawaiians, those who are uh, visitors to the islands, but beyond that, others who just move to the islands and are still learning so much. And we see these conflicts on social media between native Hawaiians and non-native Hawaiians. Uh, how do you bridge this gap when sometimes there seems to be so much disconnect uh, and in some ways some disrespect uh, amongst the, the native Hawaiian communities and those who are not? Listen, I work at UH Mano on the UH system. So we're really a microcosm of a larger community. Let's not, let's be real here, right? Um, and it's a really important question. And that's really at the heart of the work, right? Um, you know, I want to get back to what has been normalized in the university, in our communities, right across the state. Um, and unfortunately, what has been normalized is this connection. Right. And that comes from all kinds of what we call the isms, right? From capitalism to racism, like they're all sexism, ageism. There are so many things that have happened. There are so many systems or projects, some people call them, that really help to disconnect us. Right. So at, at our university, you know, one of the um, principles or kind of pillars, if you will, that we are really trying to lean into is this idea of. First, um, genealogy or the Hawaiian word is mo'oku'oho. Not just the gene like our biological genealogies or you know our family trees. That's very important. That's a first step. Um, and why that's important is it, it allows us to start to think about how we're connected to other people, right? If we all have a family tree, you know, to some extent we might know some of the folks in our family if we're lucky enough. The idea is, oh, I'm connected to this person and this person, and they are my family, right? But that framework that that that, that mo'oku'oho or genealogy invites us into is to really think about the ways we're connected, period. So one of the things we're doing at UH Manoa is wondering, you know, out loud and in practice, what if we take this idea of genealogy, this idea of connection over many generations, and use it as a way to think about how we're connected in our workplaces, in our, in our little neighborhoods in our sports teams, right? In the different kinds of groups that we're a part of. Not just as like, oh, that's my friend um, or that's someone I know, but like, oh, like we actually share actual connections. We breathe the same air. We live in the same land. Um, you know, what I breathe out, they will eventually breathe in. Like that's real. Um, and for Hawaiians, what we know from those kind of genealogical connections and connections, you know, relational connections is we remember and we name it as family. So what if we started to think about the ways that we are all actually related and we're all actually family? That takes a lot of work and that's the work we're connected to. But I think that's where we have to go. Because like I said earlier, whether we're talking about climate change or the ways that we take care of our children together, you know, whatever it might be, that is Hawaiian. I don't think it's just Hawaiian, but it is deeply rooted, that practice of finding connection. That's why we always ask, where, where did you go to high school? We're seeking connection, right? That is a very local thing. We're seeking connection so we can figure out how we can take care of one another. And so that is the work we're committed to. And that is I think a first step, there are many, many hard conversations to be had. 
And isn't it easier to go into a conversation, into a hard space, when we have some kind of mutual respect for our connections as human beings? And then we can get into the hard stuff. And so a lot of the work we're doing is how do we help people reconnect so that we can figure out the hard stuff together? I love that. Uh, we are just about out of time, uh, about a minute left here. So I want to make sure that people know where they can participate. How do they find out more information? Uh, I assume you don't want people just rolling up to UH. They probably have to sign up somewhere or register. Uh, tell us the details on how they can actually get involved on Tuesday. Thank you. The easiest way is to go to our Instagram um, page, NHPOL Manoa. So I've said it a little slower. N as in native, H as in Hawaiian, P for place, O for of, L for learning, NHPOL Manoa. And all the information can be found there and you can connect to our website. It is very, very helpful if people can register ahead of time, um, you know, for all the logistical reasons that that we, we all know and love dearly as we plan for events. <laughs> well, we wish you a successful event on Tuesday. Thank you so much for being here. It was wonderful to speak with you. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha. Well, great to hear from Punihe Lipe there, or Leap rather, uh, Lipe, sorry. <laughs> uh, Punihe Lipe from UH Manoa about the work that she and others are doing. Uh, this National Day of Racial Healing that UH is taking part in, also marking the 130th anniversary of the overthrow of the Native Hawaiian Kingdom, um, and really trying to unpack and have some very difficult conversations in a very meaningful way. Yeah, and we heard how it's not confined, of course, to Hawaii, but how this is a conversation that is happening on a national level and how other indigenous groups are also dealing with this and, and, and how it ties in, of course, to Martin Luther King uh, and, and in the remembrance of him. Uh, but really, it's, it's about this education effort and building this bridge between uh, the Native Hawaiian community and those who want to learn and who, who want to understand more about how Hawaii has gotten and how Native Hawaiians uh, have become oftentimes marginalized and some of the things that they experience and the things, the sufferings that native, the native Hawaiian community experience today is tied directly to the generational uh, things that have happened in the past. And so this is really that bridge to honor that, but also signify a time for healing to bring people together. Yeah, and, and what I loved about what she was saying is that, you know, throughout everything she talked about, there was really this sense of inclusivity, that you don't necessarily have to be of Native Hawaiian descent to understand these issues, to want to learn more about these issues, and also to participate on Tuesday and beyond, that we all breathe the same air, as she said several times, and, uh, and that we all are a part of this place. And so learning the history, understanding the history, and knowing our neighbors and knowing our community is so important and vital to those conflicts and conversations, Ryan, that you're talking about, thinking about how we move forward as a community together to tackle some of the hardest challenges that our islands are facing. So great to hear from her. And we will be tracking what happens on campus at Tuesday. Great to see that UH Manoa is a leader in this effort, uh, one of 49 campuses across the country taking part on Tuesday. Uh, on Wednesday, because we are also observing the holiday here on Monday, we're taking that day off. Uh, but on Wednesday, we are going to be focusing on the effects of the pandemic